Thanks for calling the Q Hotline. This is Kevin Brittingham. This is your opportunity to tell us what you think. Q, Q products, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Industry news, things you want to say, especially if you got something funny to say. You could have called anywhere in the world. You called us. We appreciate that. Hello, folks from Q. This is Giuseppe MW from Instagram. Uh, just giving you guys a call. Wanted to let you know. I appreciate all the posts. Love looking at your stuff. Um, just trying to save up. Hopefully get myself a honey badger, a couple other things soon. I just didn't want to be one of the uh, five Instagram troll fuckboys. So figured I would give you guys a call and a high five. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to call and say you guys' product rocks. Um, been a fan of it ever since I picked up a fix. And absolutely love the rifle. Came out for a build day for one of my honey badgers. You guys made us feel like family. Awesome product. Lightweight. Indestructible. Simple. Nothing you don't need. Everything you need. None of the bullshit. Have a good day, Q. What's up, guys? Hope all is well out there. This is your boy, Matt Sheen, calling from Scottsdale, Arizona. I sent you guys some beers from Bonehouse Brewing in Fountain Hills, Arizona. Never actually uh, shot any of your products. Just waiting on the uh, Honey Badger pistol to show up at my uh, local gun store. I've uh, been waiting on about mm, six months, and I can't remember ever being as excited about uh, you know, a product that I didn't actually have in my hand yet. So you guys are kicking butt on the Internet with the marketing, and uh, you know I have other friends that steered me towards your stuff because they love your products. And uh, keep doing what you guys are doing. You guys are really bringing some uh, new energy and life into the industry, and uh, totally appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to trying the product. Listen, this isn't rocket science. All I want is a freaking flash hider I can screw over my cherry bomb when I'm using a suppressor. Don't give a shit if it's a bird cage, looks like a three point whatever. Just freaking do it. That is all. Hey, this is Kevin Brittingham of Q. This is the Q and Ask thirteenth podcast. Uh so today I was answering questions um that we get through, you know, the DMs, email, stuff that comes up online or in forums people send to me. So just trying to cover a bunch of the topics. Um that people are curious about at the moment. So continue to send those in. Hope you enjoy. Hope it, you know, you learn something or send something in where I can learn something if I misspeak. Um, also, we've got a new feature. We've got the Q hotline, which you'll hear in the intro and the exit of this podcast, hopefully, unless Colin screwed it up. Um, and we'll use it for other marketing. So we don't care what you say. You know, the haters can call. Uh, anybody's got anything good to say, anything... Uh, Particularly if you got anything funny to say or worthwhile, do that. So it's the Q Hotline at 603-525-7017. Again, that's 603-525-7017. So holler at you, boy. Well, huh. Some interesting questions. Making things lightweight how do we do it uh you know there's a lot of ways i've seen a lot of the companies kind of come and go um that make stuff look cool uh skeletonizing things putting holes in them uh, there, there's several ar and glock companies that come to mind the last few years i think all that stuff is sort of trendy um 
you know, and there's nothing wrong with trends. A lot of people follow trends. I don't particularly like trends that much. I think of it as like the Affliction t-shirts from back in the day. Um, you know, sometimes you dabble in it, but it just doesn't seem to have longevity. What The way we make our stuff light is engineering. Uh, we have a lot of actual engineers, uh, particularly for our industry and a company our size. And we just try to make it right, not taking a product and skeletonizing it to what we can get away with, but also, to that point, testing things to failure, knowing where things are going to fail, uh, proving that out, uh, but starting with the right material, right design, and it just ends up the right weight. Uh, and, you know, hopefully that's lightweight. And it, it generally is if you do it correctly and take your time and you have actual engineers. Um, you know, I don't believe in cutting holes through mag wells and just crap like that. Uh, so, sometimes, you know, exotic materials, or I don't know that they're exotic anymore, but things like titanium alloys or magnesium, it's beneficial and you need to use it and it's the right thing for the right part, just like carbon fiber. Um, but it's not necessarily the go-to to make something lightweight. Sometimes we're able to make things out of steel and make it lighter than if we were making it out of aluminum, for instance. Uh, you know, it just depends on what the product is and what the, to what the material is going to be and what the design is. Um, nothing else really to say about skeletonizing. If you're doing it for the sake of making it look cool, I think that's generally pretty lame. Uh, but I also think that products ought to be beautiful. I mean, Ferrari doesn't really generally make ugly cars. Um, and they're also generally race cars and performance vehicles. And I think that's a perfect, perfect blend. You, you should have both. Uh, you know, and Patrick that works with us, industrial designer, he's really good at making things pretty um, after they're functional. Uh, other questions, carbon fiber silencers. I did in 2001, did a carbon fiber silencer and basically, it's a whole lot like what I've seen on the market recently from some companies where it was a carbon fiber outer tube and shielded baffles. I still have a few of them. We built them, but we never really produced them. Uh, the, you know, and sold them for the market at advanced armament. The problem was uh, the carbon fiber, it just didn't age well. Um, and so we went through that. It was lightweight and it was cool. But by the time you kind of did everything you needed to do to protect the carbon fiber, then it was just as heavy as everything else. So then you were just doing it to make it look like carbon fiber, which is still maybe okay. Um, but it just didn't seem like the path to go down. I don't know. You may see it again because now we're starting to do a bipod and it has carbon fiber in it and if we learn some stuff in this and it makes sense for silencers, we would use it, but we definitely don't have an agenda or a game plan to go after carbon fiber for silencers just for the sake of doing carbon fiber. Um, yeah, it was almost 20 years ago I did that. Uh, what else? Oh, the tapers. Um, yeah, we've... Tapers for silencers or muzzle devices are so important. You know, on the AR-15 from back 50 years ago, 
there wasn't a taper on the muzzle because it was just to attach a flash hider to. So you didn't need to worry about alignment. So it had a 90 degree shoulder and that's kind of been the industry standard forever. Opsync, which, um, God, getting so old now, most of you probably aren't gonna remember Opsync, but a fellow named Bill Seberger, who was this crazy old crusty fuck who had a silencer company um, called Opsync. And it's where, talked about it earlier, it's where Surefire took their designs from. Uh, good stuff. It was, um, they were on the Mark 12 rifle. I think that's the, like the recce style rifle, the SPR from Lone Survivor with Marcus Luttrell. Uh, that's what he had on his gun. Um, Seaburger sold a fair amount of these to SOCOM. Uh, material selection wasn't great. Uh, they were MIG welded. Uh, the cores were ground, slid into a tube. Uh, he didn't EDM the bore, he just drilled through it, so that caused some issues. But they were very good, they were very durable, they were over-the-barrel silencers, and he used tapers. Uh, so there was no quick detach mechanism or anything. And, and he was right about the tapers, especially if you cut them into the barrel, but he generally just had a sleeve that went over the barrel and was held on with a set screw, which kind of defeated the purpose of aligning the taper, but the silencer still wouldn't come loose, but there would be a fair amount of misalignment and you would get end cap contacts, kind of like, <clears throat> but for a different reason, kind of, with the Surefire. Surefire's always had a very tight bore because the sound performance wasn't very good. Some of their newer cans are great, like the Surefire 300 Blackout can, and I don't know what their newest generation is, but it's very quiet, um, but they're heavy. But uh, due to this little collar and set screw thing, the Opsync cans often had, and they were pretty long, they had uh, end cap contact, and, and Seaburger ran too tight of a bore. He should have opened it up, honestly. Surefire's done the same thing, and I know I've got the same model silencer that I've bought, purchased over the years for testing or for whatever, that has three size bores in it. Um, they started with, in their 556 silencer, a 265 bore, and it's grown and grown and grown. And it gets in cap contact, but for different reasons. The locking collar that they use that locks on the back of their flash hider or muzzle brake for Surefire, it only contacts a small portion of the circumference of the muzzle device to hold it in place. So every time you fire, it flexes in relation to that. So if you ever see a Surefire silencer with end cap strike, generally it's gonna be 180 degrees from where the, the locking collar latches onto the muzzle device. So if you guys ever see that, check that out. And that's what's happened with, with all of mine. Um, anyway, I didn't use a correct taper at AAC. I just used a 45 degree shoulder, which was better than 90, but it doesn't, it helps with alignment, but doesn't help to retain the silencer in conjunction with the threads. The combination of a 45 degree and the coarse thread. So, so it wasn't the best mounting system. Um, so it generally had to have a secondary latch. And so from there we went to SIG and the army wanted a secondary latch, so it included one, so we still used a coarse thread, but a proper taper. At the end of AAC on the Honey Badger, we used the correct taper, taper very similar to what we use now. Most people don't know the original Honey Badger had that. Um, and then we, I did the 90 tooth mount, which was the taper mount at AAC, and that was right when I was thrown out. Um, 
So it still used a coarse thread, but used a proper taper. And the taper was behind the threads, which was a mistake. Um, but I wasn't trying to differ too far from what we were doing already. Uh, anyway, once we left SIG and we started Q, we just built mounts and built everything the way we would want it without um, involving the military or thinking about what they would want. We knew if we did the right mount, uh, like the quickie mount that we've done at Q, then we wouldn't need the secondary latch. So it was a waste of money, weight, uh, just wasn't something we needed to design in. So we just did the mount. It's kind of come full circle because it's very similar to the OpSync mount now, just done correctly and together and not over the barrel and a piece held on by a set screw, that kind of stuff. Uh, this seems for most people in most situations to be the best mounting system. It's lightweight, it's compact, uh, it doesn't add a lot of cost to the silencer. And you think, when you see something like the dead air mount with their chemo mount and muzzle brake, that weighs almost as much as some of our silencers. Uh, so, and how often are you shooting without your silencer once you get it? So th that's kind of the idea um, for the mount and how, how we've kind of come full circle with tapers. And, and um, you know, besides those Griffin idiots, they're going to claim they invented it or <laughs> some other casino security guard <laughs> pulling up some Norwegian patent from 1986. Uh, you know, a lot of that stuff we haven't seen. It's just kind of logical looking at machine tools and what's the easiest, simplest way to do a mount. And, you know, that's kind of the way we've gone after it and tackled it. Uh, pistol silencers. Um, yeah, we did pistol silencers. I was pretty heavily invested in it in AAC. Uh, we developed some great silencers. We originally, and I talked about earlier with Jim Tech and how we were doing the snap-on can for the Beretta. Well, we took that can and we put a booster in it. <coughs> Excuse me. And we looked at what AWC was doing at the time. They were really great. Um, Doug Olson, who's a great engineer who worked at Knight's Armament, during their heyday with silencers, designed a lot of their stuff. Uh, he was at AWC before that in a company called Qualitech that built stuff for the Navy back in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, and he did a lot of brilliant designs that are still used today. And most of those were based on Maxim designs from you know early 1900s, actually. But he did a booster design. Um, he did it for the Mark 23 silencer, but prior to that at AWC, he had a little uh, recoil booster design where you would thread it onto a pistol and then thread the silencer onto the booster and then it would cycle. And we took a look at that and things that we didn't like about it back at AAC and combined things that he had done at night's armament with the Mark 23 silencer and developed um, the Evolution 9 silencer, which was a great silencer. It was the best 9mm pistol can developed at that point. Um, we used a modified version of a K-baffle he had done. Uh, we, I did a turn the booster into a coaxial design um, and vented it, uh, the booster housing, and had a separate chamber inside the silencer. And that's where we really killed first round pop with pistol silencers. Uh, worked on venting the, the piston, and I see all of this copied today with every pistol silencer that's decent on the market, and, and they should copy it. It's, it was the right thing. Uh, I put in a ton of time and effort and work on that, just R&D, 
you know, machining stuff, going out, testing it. Uh, you know, at the time, Joe Gadini with SWR and a couple other or companies, Gym Tech, well, they weren't really doing R&D at that point. They were very lazy, but uh, they would copy it every time. They came out with a multi-mount silencer after their Trinity handgun silencer that was a, an abortion. Um, and they would copy it, but SWR and AAC were doing a lot of R&D on the pistol silencers and boosters, and, um, and we probably won that battle. And then eventually we did the Tyrant 9mm, which I added a third chamber to. Um, it's kind of, I called it a triaxial design and made the booster easier to come apart for cleaning. And that silencer was for the military, and it's phenomenal. I mean, I think today, looking back on it, you know, what I would do was I had um, like a young designer who was a machinist, and I remember, and, and he did the... Um, Element silencer, a little rimfire silencer, which was the quietest and lightest 22 silencer ever designed and built by a long shot. The Tyrant 9 and also the Tyrant 45 silencer. And the Tyrant 45 was the first hearing safe dry silencer. It, it really blew us away. Um, and I remember, I mean, you know, and this was, I don't know, 12 years ago or more. Um, he worked on that Tyrant 45 for a long time, staying very late for nights. And, you know, 12 years ago, $5,000 was a lot of money to him. It was a lot of money to me. And uh, I gave him $5,000 in cash. Uh, found him in the hallway one day at work after he had kind of finished and I had tested it and settled on it. And I was so proud of him. Uh, I gave him five grand in cash. And... And it was great. You know, that was kind of the way, not always, but that, that I would think some of those guys. Um, he had already done the Tyrant 9mm, and that was the, the Tyrant 9 was based on the Element silencer, baffle design and things that he had discovered in doing that. And then the Tyrant 45 was a lot of work. It was a different design. The same things didn't work for the 45 that worked for the 9mm and 22. 22 and 9mm tend to be, in my experience, in baffle designs that I've used, very similar in performance. Um, you know, biased on similar baffle designs, and 45 is different. It's lower pressure, there's a big hole through the silencer, it just reacts differently. Um, just like 223 and 308 generally uh, also act differently in silencers and require different baffle designs. So that, that was a fun time. I mean, I think the Tyrant probably took a year to do. The Tyrant 45 was probably close to that. Um, I think he was really motivated then because he was having success, so it probably went faster. And the element was very tedious. Um, and, you know, to me right now, uh, looking back on stuff and things that, you know, I'm proud of for, <clears throat> you know, myself or the companies or, you know, Ethan is being the head of engineering for me for a long time and so much, so many great things he's worked on. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to be, to be proud of. I think that we've done, but those, those were definitely one of them. Uh, we just really had a desire to kick everyone's ass and we're just so, I was so queer for silencers and making, wanting to make things quieter and quieter and quieter. Um, so that was a fun time. 
the we worked on another one when I did the monocore for the 338 can. We did a 22 can called the Prodigy, and we really screwed it up the first couple times. Uh, one design when we went, we were just getting so busy and growing, we we're doing all these projects. I didn't pay as much attention to that as some others. So we had uh, uh, pro, so prototypes, pre-production models that were great. And then something changed in the production models and we built like 500 of them and they were had loud first round pop and were terrible. And then we discovered, we didn't shoot them a bunch for accuracy back then. And then we discovered that not only were they loud, um, so we replaced those cores with quiet ones. Then the ones that were really quiet, we were getting, uh, the bullets were destabilizing and they were going sideways through targets without without the bullet even contacting anything. So we had to replace those cores twice. And what a huge learning lesson that was, that sucked. Um, and the, the core was tapered and the inside of the tube was tapered with steps actually for taking it apart um, so you could break the carbon loose and get it apart. It was, it was a really cool design. I don't think they make it anymore and we, we probably never really perfected it. Um, I've got them on a couple rifles that I have and I like it a lot. Uh, you know, it ended up just being like a two-piece silencer with an aluminum silencer with a stainless steel thread insert. Uh, you know, that was really cool at the time. That was one thing we did was put the steel thread inserts into the aluminum silencers. Um, back then, the aluminum silencers for rimfire is really what everyone made. And the aluminum threads would fatigue putting them on your steel barrels. And so the uh, put in stainless steel thread inserts, and that was a big, big improvement. Uh, what else have, did we do? People ask about here. Um... Oh, a bunch. Okay, he wrote all this for me. Okay, 5.56 five, silencers, or 5.56, five, 5.56 five, six, five, five, six through Q silencers. Yeah, our QD stuff, the quickie mount, trash pan and thunder chicken. It comes with two muzzle devices, two cherry bombs, one for 5.8's 24, one for half 28. That's so you can put it on your 5.56. Five, five, We're working on... Um, the lefty silencer, which is the 5.56, but it keeps getting pushed aside. Uh, but it's it's coming eventually. So until then, just use the 30 caliber silencer and use our 5.56 Cherry Bomb. It comes in the box with the silencer. Order one off the website if they're in stock or silencer shop or whoever. Um, the lefty, I, I don't know. It, it, I, I would just, it's lying basically to tell you I know when it's going to come out. Uh, but I think we are working on some stuff for 5.56 five, firearms-wise. So you'll probably see the silencer sooner than later. It's just, as I've said in previous podcasts, it's it's a different design than the current silencers that we do. And it's going to take a bunch of R&D. And it's hard for us, as busy as we are and as backward as we are, to devote the time to the 5.56. Five, um, you know, as I said before, you know, originally it was for a military thing that we sort of ducked out of. Um before we completed it, just decided not to devote the time to it. Um, but it's coming eventually, especially with a new gun. So that, you know, hopefully it'll be next year. Uh, maybe, maybe it won't, but I think it will. It goes on the cherry bomb. Um, and it's probably stainless steel. The price will be 
reasonable because it's, you know, a lot of the cost of our silencers now are titanium, just the material. Um, so somebody asked me about the discrete ballistics. Well, they ask about it all the time. Um, yeah, we work with David Stark on some stuff. He's in New Hampshire, uh, not too far from us. He's a great dude. I love the solid copper bullets that he's doing. The ammo is super accurate, subsonic. Um, the expanding solid coppers are so cool. He also does a thing called the pop stop, I think it's called. And basically, you purge all the oxygen in the silencer with this little device. And it makes the first round pop go away. Um, you know, first round pop is from oxygen, the, the silencer. Um, the initial shot ignites it and causes a, a pop, essentially. So your first shot with your silencer is generally always louder. And so it does away with that. And that's a cool device. Um, I don't have much experience with it. I've shot, you know, I've seen it. I know it works. Um, shot it a few times. Uh, you know, that's about it. But Dave, Dave's a real smart guy. And, you know, it'll make a huge difference. If you've got a silencer, for instance, it's not really designed for subsonic ammo. Uh, even for, you know, 308 and you're shooting subsonic 300 blackout. Or if you're shooting a shorter barrel. Uh, a lot of times the first round in those can be very loud or in some of the 22 silencers on pistols, you know, and if you're hunting, it could be important. I mean, this is, this is a good way uh, to eliminate that in your first shot to be just as quiet as the subsequent shots. And it's pretty compact. Um, it's nice. Uh, the jumbo shrimp silencer. So our little six, five silencer, the jumbo shrimp, it is coming. We're just so backward on the trash pan and thunder chicken that we've pushed it over to the side, but it's less than six inches long, less than 10 ounces. Um, it's hearing safe on 6.5. It's compact and lightweight, and it is freaking awesome. Uh, so, so that's coming, but it's really no different than the trash panda and thunder chicken, just a little smaller bore and shorter length. So why don't we have more than one position in the honey badger stock? Because we don't want to. Nobeski, they offer it. We do it for them with two. Um, you know, the honey badger was a requirement-driven gun. This isn't like a maximum defense goofy-ass statement. I mean, it, you know, Ethan and I were there and helped to, to write the whole thing. We, we know what it was for, and it's supposed to be the honey badger's compact, lightweight, no extras. It's just for straight up low visibility, you know, being able to hide the gun and to it to be effective for shooting things. Um, the two position stock just complicates it. You have to, you know, it, it's just more things kind of like the ambi controls, you know, when you start adding all the stuff for, you know, it, the guns a pound heavier. And a lot of people, that's cool. And, you know, that's why we support Nevesky doing it. Nevesky's gun is freaking great. All their stuff is nice. They offer the Ghetto Blaster, which is their version of the Honey Badger. It's got an inch longer barrel, two-position stock, ambi controls, a lot of nice features dudes want. And I want you to buy that gun if you need that stuff. We are not going to do it, you know. I don't, we don't need to compete with Nevesky. And that's not what we're trying to do. You know, and, and going from the Honey Badger to the Ghetto Blaster, you get you get some more options on their gun, but you add a pound of weight, which, you know, can be huge. And, and that a gun that light, that is a lot of weight. 
And I think those are the choices. You know, we're not going to go and cater to, to every customer and every little nuance. And a lot of guys with AR-15 stuff, you guys are really used to that. And, and that's cool. I'm glad you can find all that stuff. You're just not going to be able to, you know, that's never going to be my mission. We did a lot of that at AAC. Like, if you look at the old product lineup, we had, you know, 50 silencers uh, with every option to cover everybody. I wanted no excuse for you to buy from someone else. You know, and that's like what what I would do at 30 years old. At 45, that's not really what I'm interested in. And, you know, I appreciate everyone's business just as much, if not more now. But I don't... Um, we're not going to step on our own peckers to get it. It is just, we're going to do, we're going to do our thing. Um, and, and we hope that you guys continue to respond the way you do. And, uh, we're, we're not always going to be able to support everything you think you're interested in. And there's plenty of room in the industry for lots of great companies. So no two position stock for the honey badger. So stop asking. And also, left-handed guns. I get it. I'm left-handed. We're not building left-handed guns. You know, maybe one day we would have something, but it's nowhere on the drawing board. It's nowhere in the near future. Um, and it's just not a priority. Uh, you know, and I, I know that left-handed people spend money in our industry, too. But it's like, if I can't get all the money from the right-handed people, you know, I'm just not concerned about the left-handed ones. And including myself being left-handed, I do not have a left-handed... Uh, the fix or a honey badger. <laughs> My guns are right-handed and, you know, I sign the checks. So start your own club if you got to have a left-handed gun. Uh, future silencer lineup. What is that going to look like? You know, who the hell knows? Uh, you'll see the pistol silencers eventually. Uh, we'll continue the erector style silencers and i think we're just going to kind of take it as it comes you know hopefully we'll do the 556 silencer you know we'll have an 86 silencer coming out uh which you know is 338 um you know i want to do some hunting specific silencers uh you know we've got some ideas but it's just kind of timing and if we get to it and we, you know sometimes we have these ideas and probably more so me than the actual engineers but I have these ideas and it just doesn't turn out the way that I envision it. Uh, and, and so it, it's hard to say what's going to happen. Um, I, I'm really interested in the guns and stuff at the moment. So I, I don't, and that's such a big commitment. I don't see that going away. So, and in our current facility, we don't have a great setup for testing silencers, honestly. So we don't spend a ton of time doing it. And we're just backordered with them. So, so it's just a, a combination of all these things. Uh, I look forward to getting back to testing silencers one day the way that we did and really trying to, to innovate it. Um, but we pushed it a lot over the last 20 years. And I'm not sure the effort required to really make another huge leap in the silencers. But whatever that effort is, we're just... We're just not there resource-wise yet um, while we're working on all the guns and all these other projects, you know, 8.6 ammo, all these other things that are interesting and complicated. So there's just not the, the, the resource devoted to it. Um, but, you know, as new things develop, uh, we'll work on stuff and we'll make improvements as it makes sense to the current lineup. 
Uh, time frame for the sugar weasel in five, five, six. Uh, it's soon. It's coming soon. And it looks like it'll be about a 12 and a half inch barrel. Uh, the gun's super lightweight, compact. Uh, the sugar weasel, it probably would have been here already, but we got lucky with the sugar weasel. I, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it's our version of just a simple AR, uh, but we, we took away things we didn't like and we put in the things that we liked and, it's sold, it, it has sold better than we anticipated. So that's delayed. We always um, anticipated the 5.56 gun, but it's been delayed some just because we still have the back orders for the 300 blackout gun. And so as soon as that looks like we're going to be caught up with, um, we'll start producing the 5.56. So why did we do 8.6? Why is it better than other cartridges? that have come to market recently or ever. So 300 Blackout was commercializing 300 Whisper. And I've talked to that a, a lot of times. Um, the issues that they had with it, <coughs> excuse me, whether it was bullet design, uh, you know, based on 308, you know, uh, bullets that were out there already that are the correct ojive and link to feed in an AR AR magazine. And it's kind of the same thing with 86. So 338 Federal was a is a great cartridge. It's basically a 308 with a 338 bullet in it. It's awesome. But if you think about why 260 Remington didn't work and 65 did, I mean work, 260 Remington is a great cartridge, but commercially it was not successful. Because um, once longer bullets came along, the case is in, in 260 is too long to put the long bullets and it feeding a short action reliably, short action, you know, in the magazines and stuff like that. So uh, 6.5 basically just shortened the case and then you can use the long bullets. I mean, there's a couple other reasons, but that's the main reason. 338 Federal is the same way. If you're shooting 150 grain supersonic, that's all you're shooting. 338 Federal is an awesome. 300 yard and end cartridge. I mean, I, I, I was shooting anything in the world with it, with a good projectile. Way better than 308 at that range. The downside is if you want to shoot a big long bullet, like a subsonic, the case is too long. You can't fit it in a magazine. So 8.6 blackout is just th 300 blackouts, big brother for 308. Uh, we shortened the case up like with 6.5 Creedmoor. So out of a short barrel, the supersonic is optimized and you can still fit subsonic in the magazine and, uh, you know, 300 grain plus bullets and get, get them to feed, uh, get accuracy, um, get a full magazine capacity. Because that's always been a problem to me with a lot of the great uh, cartridges that were developed, whether, you know, people could argue 6.8, um, you know, the 30 Remington AR, I think is the name of it, uh, 260, you know, there's just a lot of great cartridges that, uh, well, 260 is not one of those, but that you can't get a full mag capacity with. Um, you know, even things like 450 Bushmaster or that 458 SOCOM, I think it's called, you start to have problems with magazines. So it's always been important to us, when, and also with AAC being a military-based company, wanted to use military mags and wanted to have full mag capacity. These were kind of always part of the requirements or part of the dream. And I never saw any of 6.8 or any of these other cartridges that were good for something, uh, you know, like killing. 6.8's a great killing cartridge, but you can't, if you can't 
have full mag capacity and it's not reliable, the military is never going to use it. And so I always think that even commercially, you, you know, I don't think we need everything that the military has per se. And, and I don't mean that from a Second Amendment issue. I mean it from, you know, when I talk about optics and the things they do to, for optics to meet military specifications and uh, for adopting those. And then they're too heavy and bulky and whatever. It's just not stuff that I need for hunting or target shooting, so I don't use those. And I, I think the same thing uh, for a lot of the products, but, but never really mag capacity and reliability. I always want full mag capacity. And so I think that's the advantage to 8.6 over a lot of these other cartridges. The supersonic is still awesome. You get full mag capacity. Uh, the, the gas gun cycle with semi and subsonic. Uh, we're working on fast twist barrels, which we've learned with 300 Blackout works better. And it's working great. Super fast twist barrels for 8.6. And, you, you know, the dream is to get the subsonic accuracy that we get with the supersonic. And so we're getting close to that. So that's pretty exciting. Um, pistol braces. Man, when the pistol brace came out, I thought it was the stupidest thing. However, um, as time's gone on, I was wrong. Um, you know, I saw it for the first time at SIG when I went to work there. You know, I've always done NFA, so it was no big deal to me. But as the NFA process over the last 25 years that I've been doing NFA paperwork has gone form fours from 60 days to now a year. Um, and back at 60 days, it was on like microfish. So everything was done. There was nothing automated at ATF. And they were able to do form fours in 60 days where now it takes a year with automation. So that frustration has made me really supportive of pistol braces. Um, so what a wonderful idea, and I'm so thankful. And I was opposed to them also because they were big and ugly and heavy, and so we never did them until SB Tactical would let us design our own for the Honey Badger, which I think is probably arguably the, the nicest pistol brace that's ever been done. Um, they accommodated us designing it, and they've done a great job manufacturing it for us. And we're, we're using the SBA3 on the Sugar Weasel now, which is nice. You know, I hope that we design the next generation of that for them. Um, so maybe we will. And we design, they let us design the one for the fix also that's coming out with the mini fix and 300 blackout. And then the regular fix in 308 and other calibers with shorter barrels. Uh, you know, that's sort of what, you know, my opinion of, pistol braces it's stupid that it's necessary but um and then also you know originally doing them for guys who were disabled that's a wonderful thing but uh, you know now I'm super supportive of it and I'm glad that it's flourished uh you know it's a shame that it's it's because of the inefficiencies of ATF that really it's been so successful but you know it is what it is nine millimeter erector uh uh, yeah, we keep talking about that. Hopefully, it'll be out end of the year. I know that that Brian um, is working on the three lug now, and we're just taking our time with all of it. You know, I want it all to be correct. I don't have to get in a hurry. I thought pistol caliber carbines would have died by now, and I was totally wrong about that too. So they're not going anywhere. <coughs> and so between that and the nine millimeter pistols, um, my concerns us just getting it right and having the direct thread option available when we release it, the booster system, 
have the three log available and just to kind of be able to support it. Um, so, you know, that's what we're doing and we've worked through almost every bit of it. Now I think it's just the three logs still, excuse me, still working on, but we've had a couple other projects that have taken us time recently. Hmm. Longer Q-cert rails. I don't even know what that means, but we are doing Q-cert rails for the hunting badger. You won't be able to put a silencer under it, but Q-cert is the best accessory mounting system ever, ever, ever developed. Uh, and we've only got it on the fix, and that's really screwing the rest of you guys. The <coughs> we knew we wanted it on the fix, and you can also get M-lock handguards. And M-lock's cool, but it is really designed for plastic, and so it has to be kind of bigger, heavier than necessary, and it's not as good of a mounting system as Qcert. And that's not knocking M-lock. They they did a great job for what they were trying to achieve, but the best mounting system you can get is Qcert. And so we're going to have it in handguards that you can buy for your AR. Um, you can put it on your honey badger, sugar weasel, standard ARs. We'll have them in short and long. You just won't be able to put a silencer in the long one. But you'll be able to mount accessories in the strongest way available on the market. Um, do more blims. Yeah, so any of you guys that have ever <laughs> purchased any of our blims... Um, it started, I think, with the Plan B, the the mount fixer for the Omega silencer that takes our cherry bomb. The the heat treat got screwed up on the first run or maybe the second run, and just in the fact that it gave a cosmetic blemish to it with the finish. So we just laser engraved them. I don't know. I think we were probably me and the interns were drinking, and decided just to engrave funny shit on them. And, and then it's like they were more popular than the standard ones. That's pretty funny. And the same thing happened with handguards. We had um, our anodizer screw up some handguards. And even though we just clear anodized, in the racking, they dinged some of the handguards, so actually dented the metal. And it, most of them were pretty minute, but I wasn't willing to sell them as new or on a gun. So we just engraved them with funny stuff. I, I don't know. It seems like some of the engravings just stuff like the intern did it or there's a smashed beer can engraved on them or just crap like that um yeah i hope to do more of that but you know i also hope that we don't have blemish parts to to, to do that to um but anytime there is something that cosmetically is a little off i think it's like nebesky has the, the maybe they still do but they d did have the chainsaw line of stuff for cosmetic blemishes this is kind of our uh thing and then it's also when there's time available you know for somebody to laser engrave goofy shit for hours at a time um the bolt handle for the fix so and, and i know this means the one with interchangeable bolt knobs uh yeah coming no real new status you know the bolt handle on the fix is so cool you can change it in literally two seconds uh without a gunsmith or anything and yeah, I, I, the one that ships on the gun is set up for hunting. Um, and it's generally what I use, but I, I see the advantage of a larger bolt handle, um, especially with our short bolt throw. And it's coming. Just It's just a matter of also, you know, it's, it's being back order with the guns and stuff and when time permits. Um, honey Badger trigger. So, yeah, we changed from the AR Gold to the Geisley. 
and that's not going to be the the last change. Um, AR Gold was great; has a lot of new great features, um, and I like them a lot. Uh, we just couldn't get the quantity that we want, and um, <laughs> we just couldn't get the quantity and the tolerancing there were a couple issues and some of them had trigger slap but it's a great trigger overall um it was just something that was taking up a lot of our time and then we couldn't ship guns because we couldn't get enough but i wish them well i like the trigger uh like the design you know and being able to get more is why we went to geisley we just needed to ship more guns than we could using the the AR Gold trigger. It didn't make sense to use different triggers. Um, so that's it. Over the barrel handguard for the Sugar Weasel. Oh yeah, that's the um, Honey Badger handguard. Those are coming. Nebeski. Will the Nebeski upper work on the Honey Badger? I have no idea. I assume that it would, but I don't know. Um, eight, what's the best honey badger concealed carry case? Like, I don't, hell if I know. I mean, I, I would use a tennis racket case probably, or, or I don't know if people steal tennis rackets and stuff, or, you know, if you look like a caveman, don't carry a tennis racket case. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't get into all those like gun covert backpack things because I can always tell it's a gun case. <laughs> so, you know, if I wanted to, carry one discreetly uh i would put it in something other than anything that looks like a gun case uh i, I remember at aac i did these first aid cases for a, a silenced pistol one time that were pretty cool and uh it's funny it had a, it had a white patch on the outside with a red cross i don't think it said first aid but if you google you can find these and i got a letter from the american red cross uh, and the, uh, their attorney called me and threatened to sue me if I continued making them after a year or two. So I either stopped or I may have switched it to like the flag of Switzerland where it was like a red patch with a white cross because uh, the American Red Cross has intellectual property on that, and they, they let me know that after a year or two. And so we discontinued or I changed it. I don't remember. But uh, I, I don't, I'm not really into bags or any of that stuff anymore. Like, I have some. You know, I'm just old, so it's like whatever I have or people give me. Um, you know, Arteryx sends me some stuff, so I've got some of their bags that are really nice. Um, I'm trying to think what the Honey Badger's in right now. I don't even know. I don't think it is. Um but the Honey Badger originally, without the silencer, was designed for a certain laptop case. So, you know, this was 10 or 12 years ago. So it was like a leather-looking laptop bag. Um, but that was without the silencer. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the cases that we had for the Honey Badger back in the day were s small pink cases made by probably Blue Force Gear or someone in Georgia. Um, and, and I just did that. That's what shipped to the military because... Um, if you've ever been around any of those groups, a whole lot of alpha males and they pick on everybody a lot. And so it's like a lot of hazing for vendors. And so just to fuck with them, um, I sent them all their guns in hot pink cases. 
And then it's like really cool because I even liked it for my own armory because you could find the gun quickly, you know, in a sea of like black and camo cases, tan cases, the hot pink just stood out. So I actually prefer it, um, but it was a joke originally. Um, what would be after 8.6 next cartridge? You know, we don't, I don't think any of us, because it's so frustrating because we don't control everything with the ammo. We don't ever really think about what is the next cartridge or after we finish this, what is it? Like we never intended to do 300 Blackout. We were asked by the military. Um, once we did that, Ethan and I, once we knew that was successful, we were automatically thinking of the 308. So, so we've always wanted to do that. But what comes after that? You know, I don't know. Um, if subsonic hunting continues to be a thing, like some sort of 50 cal subsonic or something like that would be cool. But you got to decide what magazine you're feeding from and what platform you're going to shoot it from. It sort of dictates it to me. You can come up with the greatest cartridge in the world, but it's like coming up with the greatest tires in the world that don't fit any car. I mean, who gives a shit? And it, all these things are a balance. And I know guys that are super queer for reloading or ammo get off on the, you know, what is the best ultimate round. And, you know, to me, the best round is the one that goes in my gun and does the thing that I need it to do better than anything else. And that generally, for me, is reliability, accuracy, the, these sorts of things. Um, so I, I don't know, but I like big subsonic you know, I, I would love a, whatever, a forty-five seventy with a 400 grain subsonic or a, you know, something 50 cal, but it's gotta, it's gotta feed in whatever gun that we're, we're working on. Um, but, but ammo can be frustrating cause, you know, 300 blackout was so big. We couldn't take on eight, six with a small company. So, you know, Hornady has been our main partner in it so far. And, and Hornady is just a wonderful company. But, you know, they're growing and busy and a huge company. And they can't devote, you know, engineers to us full time for, for these things. And it just kind of takes time. And, you know, we could have already pushed it to market in some ways. But I think it's more important for 8.6 to come out correctly and fully supported than it is to rush it right now. Um so, and, and now, uh, you know, there are some customers that are involved that should have some say-so in dictating, <coughs> excuse me, some of, the, some of the parameters and what they want it to do. And, you know, that customer is important to, to, to you and I who hunt um, because it's going to drive the projectiles that will be, you know, good for shooting pigs and deer and, you know, other game. Um, so that's pretty exciting. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what other ammo. I mean, maybe we never develop any more ammo. And if we don't, I don't particularly care. Um, and if we do, it's an exciting project. But I don't, I don't think we have goals to do it. Um, yeah, flash hider. Yeah, we'll probably eventually have a flash hider. Um, it's not super important to me. But, uh, you know, the great thing about the cherry bomb and a muzzle brake is that you get, like, an additional erosion protection. You get a blast chamber. <coughs> you get these sorts of things that help you with the longevity of the silencer. And I don't ever shoot without the silencer, so it's just not as important to me. 
at AAC, we did a lot of flash hiders because we were doing a lot of stuff for the military. And the military wasn't quite as gung-ho, you know, a dozen years ago about using silencers full-time. The fix in Europe, any ETA, uh, no. Like, I would love for it to be there already. And I know all, all my hunting buddies in New Zealand ask me for it every month, and I get it. Um, yeah, we're just, you, you know, it's America first, man. And we're super back-ordered here. So Canada and Europe and, you know, these other places, South Africa, New Zealand, Australia. You know, we want to get them to you. We just want to be able to support you there. And we're just not there yet. So I don't have any time frame on that. But, you know, I clearly eventually want the gun sold worldwide. I mean, I would, you know, give me a reason to go hunt in new places. Um, oh, man. Why do people ask me political questions? How do we get the gun community to stand together before we lose our rights? Like, I don't. Man, I hate politics. It drives me nuts. Um, how do we avoid gun control? You know, I, I think, like, the whole premise of this question, that's the reason why. Like, we don't need to get our com gun community to stand together. We Everybody has to stand together for the Second Amendment to be, you know, respected like the First Amendment and for us as Americans not to lose the Second Amendment um, and those rights. But it can't be the people who are pro-gun. It's got to be everyone. So, you know, some of these tragedies, it's, it's some of these outspoken anti-gun liberals, It's some of these tragedies are going to have to affect them in a way to where they're like, oh, shit, I have to defend myself and take care of myself. Um, you, you know, I mean, obviously we all, anyone that's not totally fucking deranged hates for a child to get hurt or injured or... Um, I mean, we all love children. I mean, I, I think the Western world especially, you know, we place a, a premium on women and children overall. Um, and some of the liberals that don't want guns or don't think they're necessary, it's going to take some of those that are very vocal about this to stand up and be like, holy shit, this happened to me. And, you know, I was only able to protect myself or my children because I had a gun, too. You know, like that fucking idiot in Walmart the other day. You know, it would have been great if Hillary Clinton would have shot him in the face before he could shoot anybody. Um, you know, I think it's going to take something like that. And then everyone to see, oh, we can't rely on the government or we can't rely on the police to take care of us. It's just personal accountability. And why guns have become such a political thing, you know, I hate it. It's, it's, it, it shouldn't be. I mean, everybody has an obligation to protect themselves and to help protect other citizens. Um, you know, that's my viewpoint. And, like, I don't care if you're gay or pro-abortion or you're scared of guns or whatever. Like, I'd be more afraid of getting raped or my kids being killed at Walmart than afraid of guns so I think it's going to take that sort of shift and we don't need to focus on the gun community um, it just needs to be Americans in general you, you know the idea of I generally do not have a love affair with law enforcement myself <laughs> some of you think that's uh, th that's hard to believe but that's fact but I also don't think it's their obligation to protect me all the time 
Um, you know, I don't think it's their responsibility. I think it's my responsibility. I don't think it's the government's responsibility to feed me either. Um, you know, I think that's my responsibility. Uh, so, I mean, I think the more people start to realize that and the less we start thinking we've got to, you know, give free college and free health care and feed everyone. You know, if your local community and your family and your church should do that. I mean, traditionally, that's the way it worked. The federal government, what the fuck are they good at? Um, you know, 25 years ago, you could get a Form 4 when they were having to look it up on microfish in 60 days. Now it takes a year. Like, I don't want the federal government <laughs> dictating anything to me. Um, you know, and America is so vast, just geographically. And then, you know, and so diverse as well. If you want to live in a community where there are no guns in America, I think you should be able to do that. And I think all of you people who think that way should go somewhere and we should leave you alone. And if you don't want guns, that's fine. Um, and I also feel the same way about guns or whatever. In your community, you know, I mean, I know with my own personal situation, if you've got uh, a brother or a family member who your, you know, your family will no longer help as an adult, um, you know, whether that's due to some addiction or they're just like lazy or whatever the situation is. Um, and, you know, the community won't help your family, then the community, your church, like w w whatever your community is, then the federal government probably should not help them either. There's probably a pretty good chance if your family won't help you, no one else should help you. Um, you know, and I think that's hard for America to stomach, but us continuing, you know, and hundreds of millions of people in America. It's very diverse. Uh, you know, everybody's on antidepressants. Um, I, I don't know. Are there a lot of shootings per capita? Uh, it, it gets a lot of publicity. Um, I don't know if you want to save lives, kids' lives. You could fill in swimming pools. It's nonpartisan, so nobody ever says anything about it. it kills a lot of kids. Um, but, yeah, everyone... It's not just the gun community. Obviously, we think we should have guns. Um, that's enough of that bullshit. Okay. Fix bolt faces. So, this is a question about... So, the fix, for instance, the 308 gun. We're going to have um, a 300 short mag kit, which will be a bigger bolt face and everything. Yeah, that's coming. We just haven't finished testing it yet. Again, the guns have been on back order. We didn't have barrel extensions. We didn't have time on the machine to run 300 short mag, you know, different bolt faces, so we haven't done it. But we're going to do it now. And with the mini fix, there's two bolt faces. There's going to be two for the full size. And then the mega fix is coming as well, and that'll be a, at least a 300 PRC, 300 wind mag. So you'll see the bolt faces and the guns supported. Uh, I don't really have a time frame on it, but, it, you know, it's a topic of conversation and periodic testing now. So um, it'll be available. And, you know, we're increasing production every month. <clears throat> but, again, doing it responsibly. And it's just a tough thing, you know. It, this isn't, you know, we're, we're, we're not Ruger, but we're also not, you know, some bootleg Griffin armament. We are designing a lot of stuff and the honey badger just it's not just an AR even though it looks like an AR there's not a lot of common parts with that gun and an AR so everything is small volume everything is 
you know, our design, low volume to our specs. We're not buying a lot of off-the-shelf parts for that gun. So it takes a long time. But you take that and, and you multiply it by 100. I mean, that's the fix. The fix, there's nothing in that gun that is standard except um, an AR pistol grip and uh, magazine catch spring. Well, and the magazine. We get the magazines from Magpul. But, you know, the other 107 parts or whatever, all unique. And so it's a real balancing act. And with a small business, too, you know, it's millions of dollars of production every month. And so if we screw up and don't get the mag catches, you know, it's millions of dollars that just sit there. Um, so, you know, we got to be careful with it. I don't like firing or laying people off, and we've never done anything like that. And a, a lot of companies, uh, you know, even some of the good bigger gun companies, I'm sure it's every industry, but, um, you know, you screw up a couple months and you've got thousand people employed, you got to lay some people off. And, and that's just so bad for the culture. And I'm trying to avoid all that. It's very uncomfortable for me as a business leader to, to do that. So I would rather have some customers disappointed by having delays than I would um, have any disappointed by lack of quality or lack of innovation or, um, you know, our culture at the company to start deteriorate because I make these terrible decisions to where people don't have job stability. Um, so, you know, happens when it happens, I guess. A Rector 45, it'll come after the nine. Um, we've already tested the baffle design, so we know what that is. Uh, we just have to do, um, the booster, which isn't a big deal. I mean, we've built a prototype and tested it, but um, a couple of modifications to it. But really focused on the nine right now. Um, the forty-five will come, and, and then there'll probably be a combination of you, you buy their nine, uh, Erector nine and forty-five together. I, I could see that happening. Is the sugar weasel as accurate as the honey badger? Well, hell yeah, son of a gun. Maybe more so. I don't know. It's the same barrel, so yeah, it's it's great. It uses the honey badger barrel, the seven inch one and five twist stainless barrel. Um, has a jam nut gas block situation and five H twenty four muzzle threads with our taper. Uh, you know, put a taper adapter on it for twenty bucks from us and use your square shoulder silencer, your antiquated technology. But the uh, the, the gun, yeah, the the sugar weasel. You know, it's expensive for a little AR pistol, but it's a great value. You know, you get the Geisley trigger. You get the, the best barrel ever designed for 300 blackout, the one in five twist, our adjustable gas system. Um, the gun is super lightweight. The clear coat anodized, including the, the receiver extension. Um, the gun just feels so right, and it's compact. And if you want multiple position stock, buy the Sugar Weasel instead of the Honey Badger. There you go. Um, will braces stay legal? Man, I don't know. Brace, braces stay legal. I've answered my one political question. I don't have any idea about that shit. Um, will NFA be taken away? God, stop giving me these questions. Man, I hope not. I mean, there's no crimes committed with it. Well, I guess the one kid with the silencer last year or so. Um Plan B for the AAC 51-2. Yeah, I, I see that happening eventually. I, I don't know. We've not, we've not even built a prototype. So I don't know anything further. 
Plan B for Griffin. God, no. No, just don't buy Griffin silencers. Jesus Christ. Um, our next gun. Uh, yeah, we started to work on the next gun. And uh, it's going to be a few years out. And I'm not going to say what it is. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It's something that we've wanted to do for a very, very long time. Um, I'm anxious to see how it turns out and how it's, well, how it's received. I mean, that'll probably have a lot to do with, um, if I do a decent job of marketing it, because I, I know that the guys are going to do their job. I mean, just good Lord, look at the fix and the honey badger. Um, okay. Some industry shit and questions. All right. Why the back orders? Well, we have a lot of back orders because we have a lot of orders and it outpaced our projection. Um, so, as I always say, I mean, we're not going to grow irresponsibly. Um, you know, you see back orders with our stuff and our stuff not on sale in the soft market, unlike other companies, for a reason. Like, you, you, don't, you don't have to be brilliant to understand that. If somebody's giving their stuff away... They're giving away $500 silencers for 100 bucks. There's probably a reason. It's probably not a great value. Probably having to get a, give them away because I can't sell it. I mean, I'm, I'm no economist, but in my position, leading a company and having to sign checks, if we're having to give stuff away, it's only because it's not selling. And, um, yeah, we, we have back orders on most of the products and we're cautious about growing too fast um, you know we don't want to lose what we've got now um, as far as what we've developed with the business and that means you know over anticipating things and uh, getting in a financial bind or uh, also just growing too fast not being able to maintain quality and, or have back um, recalls and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I just keep saying that. The LWR SMG, what do I think about that? I think, I think that's pretty cool. It's an interesting choice that they went with 45. I mean, that, that's probably strategically kind of interesting because pistol caliber carbines are popular and everybody's doing a nine. Um, it's pretty. It looks like a UMP, but not plastic and shitty. Um, and I think they delayed the opening so you don't have a 12-pound bolt assembly like in the UMP reciprocating, which is awesome. Um, other than that, I don't know anything about it. I mean, I think it looks neat. All submachine guns look cool. Well, most look cool. Um, I, I don't have a huge need for one. Like, I've got some submachine guns. And they're fun to shoot. But once 300 Blackout came out and I started hunting, uh, yeah, I don't really care. I, I shoot SMGs. You know, that's like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't like playing horseshoes or something to me. It's just like a, something you do with your buddies or kids. It's fun. But, um, you know, I'm not shooting them for, to hunt with or to go out and shoot accuracy or anything with. Um, the maxim, maxim defense, uh, what do I think? Uh, I mean, I think they're wannabes, man. I think, you know, that they did a 
pretty thing with that honey badger knockoff stock. It just weighs three times more than it should. Um, you know, their idea of saying it's combat ready, unlike the honey badger because they made it heavy. That's just such a crock of shit. It's just like poor engineering. Like you don't have to make it big and heavy. You know, I think I said in that kit badger podcast, like you're not shooting rifle grenades with that thing. Um, just because you make a four pound gun weigh six pounds doesn't mean that it's a better design or more durable. Um, maybe it's just less engineered. And so they had to use uh, more material because they were unsure about their design. Um, you know, in the five inch barrel, I just think is kind of gimmicky. Uh, doing 7.62 by 39, that gun's never gonna be reliable. Uh, now, I mean, obviously they're doing a 300 blackout version. Somebody sent me the video of that, which, you know, they even tried to, I mean, they painted it to look like the honey badger. I, I just think it's kind of, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's one of those, um, you know, it's like v vanilla ice, like using a David Bowie hook. It's, it's like ice ice baby is a very fun party song, but you know, Rob Van Winkle is not David Bowie. Let's just face it. Um, so I just think they're wannabes. That's all. Uh, Gym Tech. What do I think of Gym Tech? I, I think, yeah I, yeah, I said that earlier. I mean, it's just what could have been. And they're just too many chiefs, not enough Indians, man. And complacent and fat and lazy and just ended up hurting the silencer business in a lot of ways. So I just think they're silly. Um, I guess Smith and Wesson owns it now. So I'm sure that's not gonna, well, I don't know. It could be any worse than what Dater and Greg Lacko are doing, but I, I don't, I don't even know if they're still a company and I really don't care. I think they've been irrelevant for 20 years or more. Um, the haters, I don't, uh, excuse me, that I don't, haters, I, I think it's funny, I mean, if nobody's, if nobody's, you know, targeting you, then you, you're probably not doing anything awesome, um, and, and, and well, that's double-sided as well, because sometimes you're just targeted because you're lying, cheating, stealing, fucking up the industry, um, you know, and then otherwise, it's because you're kicking the shit out of people. I mean, you know, I get, it's, it's so funny, you know, most of the anonymous com comments and things like that are, that I see online, you know, a bunch of them I've traced back to uh, competitors. Um, or, well, I don't, but some of the little nerd fanboys have, and that's pretty funny. Um, and it's typical, and I don't care. I think it's funny. I mean, people mock me. I don't, like, I mock myself. I screw up a lot, you know, but I also um, do a lot and make a lot of decisions and try to innovate and change and um, improve things. And just so you fuck up a lot. Like, what do I care? Um, you know, I've said it before. I mean, when my first employee at AAC had all the potential in the world, and he's just too big of a pussy to make a mistake. And so he's irrelevant, and he's not important, and he's never done anything important in our industry. Um, as a result, and it's a shame because he could have been the best designer that I've ever known, and uh, he just didn't have it in. He just doesn't have the constitution for it. You know, can't take criticism, can't take being wrong. He's got a shitty attitude, and so he sucks. 
And, you know, I, I see that a lot. I'm much more afraid of not attempting something that I am at failing. And I, I don't think that's very common. You know, and I, it could be just because I found a passion at a young age and started a company when I didn't have anything to lose. Um, so I just created that mentality. Being in that situation to where if I hadn't started a company until I was 35 or 40 and I had my children and I had real responsibility, I probably would have been much more cautious. Um, but, you know, I'm also the youngest kid by seven years in my family and um, I've just always been this way competitive and, and, uh, you know, when you're the youngest by seven years, you get some thick skin. Um, so yeah, I don't really give a shit what most people think. Um, if people, I don't know, you know, even with the fixed rifle, I'm so proud of that gun and so proud of the job that Nick and Ethan, and Mitch and Patrick, all the guys did. But now I know the gun so confident and I know guns and I know the gun is so good. If someone in our industry that I really respected was very critical of the gun, I, I, w I wouldn't even care at this point because I would know they're wrong. Um, but otherwise, uh, taking criticism from Reed Knight, if it were, I would listen to that and, and that could affect me because I really respect him and, you know, or... Uh, Chris Barrett or other people that, that I admire in the industry and know what the hell's going on. Um, but, yeah, for for some of these guys that have never done anything, I don't give a shit what they think. Or if you run Silencer Co., you know, like just a marketing company, and you don't engineer or innovate, like, your opinion's just laughable to me. I mean, it's it's just like... I mean, I don't, I don't know how to compare it to something, but it, it's just pointless and stupid, and I don't really give a shit what you think if you've not done something incredible or, or that you have a valid point. Um, yeah, okay, Silencer Co. Yeah, I mean, it's another one. They, like, overshot, and the owners have been thrown out, and I think I talked about it before. It's just a marketing company that makes some mediocre products. Um Griffin, somebody asked about that again. They're they're just, yeah, it's it's not a rivalry. I just dislike them because I think they are the epitome of what's wrong with our business and our industry, and probably not even that. Just in general, like do something original. It's it's like yeah, again, Vanilla Ice, man. Um, it, they're just fucking silly. And just copy us, Knight's Armament. Like, get an engineer, get a clue, pull your head out of your ass. Like, just, I mean, everything. Like, somebody showed me a shirt they did the other day. It's a copy of our Honey Badger rainbow shirt. Like, have one original fucking thought in your life. Um, or, or don't, but then don't act like you do. Um... Yeah, I guess maybe that's that's it for now. You tell that chubby little godsend named Ethan Lassard that he's the best. Hey, so I bet you won't on Instagram at figure.call. Thanks, bye. Ooh, woo. Hey, senpai. You guys make good products, so um, keep making good products.
See you, Space Cowboy. Yo. I want my minifigs. Fuck. Yeah, there's definitely nothing better out here than my motherfucking fool Nelson on any motherfucking 30 cal that I fucking own. Y'all make the shit. I'm dying, dying, though, for that 8.6 in the can to go along with it. So whenever you set it out, let a brother know. 